1: Why was she created, and what impact did she have on the toy industry? We'll answer all of these questions and more on this edition of Getting Schooled. I'm Abby Hornacek. Life in Plastic has never looked so fantastic for the iconic Barbie doll. 2024 marks 65 years since Barbie was introduced to the world, and yet she remains as popular as ever. The release of the Barbie movie last summer reignited a love for the doll among people of all ages and proved what an influential role she's played in childhoods across generations. Whether a president, an astronaut, a princess, or a babysitter, Barbie has shown women and girls they can be whoever they want to be. So what are some of the careers Barbie has had over the years? How has she evolved since her creation? And how did the doll become an iconic figure in pop culture? Joining me today for a closer look at the history and legacy of Barbie is toy expert and consultant, Chris Byrne. And Chris joins me now. How's it going, Chris?
2: Good. Thank you so much. So excited to talk Barbie with you.
1: I cannot wait. And I love that you are a toy expert and analyst. I first need to know how you even get that job, because that's amazing.
2: Well, I, I started, I was a child actor, and I thought I was going to be in the theater. And when I got to New York to become a great actor, which didn't happen, um, I ended up getting a job in a toy company, naming products and writing box copy. And I suddenly, then I just sort of stayed in the toy industry and... You know, it's been all these years have passed. I've I've been out on my own. I was I was hired away from a terrible job to to launch the game Pictionary. I've done a lot of consulting over the years, and it's just sort of uh, it's just sort of turned into that kind of career. It's sort of I, my, my sentence. I always tell people is sure I'll try that.
1: <laughs> that's a good attitude to have Yeah. also Pictionary is maybe the best game of all time oh
2: that's so sweet yeah I, I, uh, I, I won't play with my mom it. though so I'm like done
1: <laughs> <laughs> you said you never beat your mom
2: no I wouldn't play with her I was done <laughs> <laughs>
1: There you go. Well, maybe next podcast we can play Pictionary before okay. we get started for our warm-up. Okay. So I have to ask you that. I know I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, but there's so much that you just said that was really interesting to me. You said you would name toys?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I worked for CBS Toys, which had brands Wonder, Creative Playthings, Gabriel, Jim Dandy, Child Guidance, and later Ideal. And there were two of us who were copywriters, and they would bring a toy down, and we would have to... We would have to, you know, write the name and write the subhead and do all this stuff. And we were like in our very early 20s. So we were full of beans. And I remember sending up a list to the to the product manager. And one of the names on the list was Baby's First Disappointment. And he, <laughs> he came downstairs and he was apoplectic. He goes, this is a serious business. <laughs> and Of course, we're falling well, how out. Do you
1: even, how do you even name a, a, a toy? It's what's that process like? How do you even think about it?
2: You know, it was it's really funny. They they give you like a model and you sit there and you play with it and you try to figure out what you can do. And and then you come up with some, some names and it's got to be fun and it's got to kind of see, be, be very brandy type of thing or or catchy. And then what you would end up doing is like, of course, then you had to send it up to, to legal to see if it could be trademarked uh, and then back and forth. And it was it was just and then we'd write the package copy and all the instructions. And so I'm the person everyone hated around midnight on Christmas Eve <laughs> to figure out how to get that thing together.
1: You were the Grinch. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's a very, very cool job that you have or, had. Um, I have to also ask you about Barbie then. Do you think that's aptly named? Because that's, she's named after Barbara, right? Can we get into that a bit?
2: She, she's named after uh, Ruth Handler's daughter, Barbara. Barbara. Barbie Millicent Rogers uh, was from Willows, Wisconsin, and she was born on March 9th, 1959. Uh, and there's all this lore about Barbie. and yes, it, it really was I mean it's kind of a very it was 1959, 58 59 when they were developing it developing it, it's very much a name of that time. you know that sort of sparkling post-war kind of it's Barbie type of thing.
1: right. Well, you you mentioned the lore. What about the origins of Barbie made her so successful? Or let, let's just even start with the origins of Barbie and what was the toy world like the, at the time that she came into existence.
2: I love that question. Uh, in the in the 30s, 40s, 50s, dolls were mostly dimensional dolls were mostly baby dolls. And because What were women going to do? They were going to grow up and be moms, So of course. So they had to learn how to nurture and be moms, and and that was was the role play that they were doing. Uh, Getting into the 50s and the post-World War II years, any fashion doll was largely paper dolls. There were Betsy McCall paper dolls. There were other famous paper dolls, and that's the only way you played with fashion. And Ruth Handler, who was really a visionary, Saw this doll, this German doll. It was called Built Lily, B I L D L I L L I E, and it was made in Germany. And Built Lily was a grown-up girl, and she was she had a questionable reputation. She was part of of comics, right? And she was always kind of a, of a loose a loose reputation, and it was really kind of like a doll girl, right?
1: Permit is that a She's kind of like a call girl, right?
2: Yeah, courtesan call girl. Well, yeah, exactly. You know, okay. was, she was a girl of ill repute. But <laughs> what what Ruth saw was an 11-inch doll that looked like a teenager. It had the cat eyes at the time. And she really believed that the doll could be a an avenue for girls to express themselves to really mature and to go from that. That very awkward. I'm a I'm a little girl with a with a baby doll. To I'm a teenager and I'm going to be a grown woman. So it really changed doll play. And in 1959, she had a heck of a time selling that to the all male bull- board of Mattel. <laughs> and they were going well. Why do they want that? Girls just are going to be mommies. You know, it was really up against the sort of um, white male heteronormative hegemony that was dominating everything in the culture at the time. But she fought for it. And Barbie came out at $3.99, which was a very expensive price at the time for, for a doll. And it didn't do that well at first, but then it started to catch on. She was, she was playing catch up to Chatty Cathy, who was introduced the same year, also by Mattel. So, But Barbie ultimately found her way and began to be something that little girls played with. And those girls who really were little girls in the early 60s, really came to understand themselves and to socialize around Barbie as peers, not as little mothers, but as, as girl-to-girl peers.
1: All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back
0: right after this. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe, Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com.
1: How did they market Barbie then? Because if she's this doll that is a woman and you're marketing it to young girls to then understand this. I I just, how did that happen? And what was the very first Barbie like?
2: Well, the very first Barbie was a a Barbie with the, it had the cat eye like built Lily. It had the the blonde hair. It had a, uh, there was also brunette. It had a black and white striped bathing suit which if you've seen the Barbie movie it's in that those first frames that's what the that's what the original Barbie looked like but mm. she wasn't she wasn't marketed as a woman she was marketed as a teenage fashion model so so when girls were 8 9 10 what do they fantasize about? They don't fantasize about being moms. They fantasize about being teenagers, because remember, at the time, it was the time of Patty Duke and all of the stuff, and the rise of the American teenager in the post World War II years, because we were a more affluent society. There was more leisure time. Kids weren't needed to work on the farm or or at home. So we suddenly had this whole class of kids called teenagers they looked like they were having a free fun good time independently so that was the aspiration there not to be not to be a grown up
1: well that's still my aspiration <laughs> to not be a grown up even though we've, we've passed that unfortunately well that's that's interesting though because so she started off kind of like built lily with the cat eye she had the bathing suit but over time she really has evolved a lot Um, I personally growing up, didn't love Barbie because I was, I was more of a tomboy. I wasn't as much of a girly girl and it was all like the girly girls who were playing with Barbie. But then I remember there was this bowling Barbie that had a bowling ball that was, uh, connected to a magnet on her arm and you'd pull the arm back and you would bowl with it. And I was like, Oh, it's kind of like an action figure now. Right, right. So what she has so many careers and occupations. Can you just give me a glimpse into some of her other. Iconic roles, and, and what are some of the weirdest ones that you've
0: noticed?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, my favorite one is paleontologist because I think that just is funny, uh, and it's <laughs> and it's fun to say. But but before before actually before we get to that, Barbie almost went away in the end of the '60s because the whole role of women in the culture was changing. And you go into the the early '70s and the and the ERA movement and all of that, and and suddenly Barbie was not relevant. Any, any longer or, or she represented something that, that women felt was much more needed to be much broader so fast forward we go to to Jill Barad who was the one of the best product people ever and she and John Emmerman recreated the whole notion of Barbie as we girls can do anything and that's probably you know after before you you uh, encountered Barbie so we girls can do anything really opened the door to astronauts Resident scientist, right? They've just introduced, you know, movie director Barbie. Uh, she's had, I don't even remember how many careers. I lost track at like 150 careers that she's had. And so Barbie went from being this very specific Malibu girl, beach girl. I guess they moved from Wisconsin to Malibu at some point. Uh, there but you she go. Went, <laughs> she, she went from being this very, very specific Malibu sort of gidget um you know Sally Field as a young woman type of character to more of an every doll, if you will, that that every little girl could project her hopes, dreams, fantasies, her desire for a bowling trophy onto onto Barbie, um, and that was actually what Ruth really wanted. She wanted Barbie to be a catalyst for imagination and possibility for women
1: what I, I guess I should have asked you a little bit earlier when you were talking about built Lily and how Ruth handler came across this uh, in Germany what made Ruth handler go we need to create something here and we need to create this doll was it just the need of the time and kind of what you were saying they only had very limited options of dolls to play with at the time little girls did
2: I think so I mean she they they saw she saw I mean in in, in pure merchandising terms she saw a void in the marketplace and but she she also saw that the girls in their play were being limited in the way that boys were not being limited, right? Boys were not being limited into just this mommy track type of thing. They could, they could be engineers. I mean, if you look at the original Erector Set books, it says, hey, boys, right up front. Uh, all of this stuff. So, so she saw the potential for something that could be a catalyst for the imagination for girls and, and open up possibility for them. Let them let them in their fantasy or their imagination conceive of possibilities that the culture at large wasn't necessarily telling them they could have.
1: Right. Well, you said that Barbie almost went away in 1960s. The, in in the late 60s,
2: yeah.
1: In late 60s. So how was she? um received by consumers i know there was there's some controversy just because you're you're kind of bucking the trend at the time she was more womanly and we've we've heard it we've heard everything but barbie was reinvented with this movie kind of in the last several years so can you take me through that evolution
2: Sure, I mean Barbie. Barbie was I mean, one one of my jokes is always Barbie is essentially an inert lump of largely pine, polyvinyl chloride, right? So she's she's a hunk of plastic, and, and the, the the way and
1: very scientific,
2: very very scientific, You're
1: science Barbie.
2: <laughs> but but what happens to Barbie is because she has a human characteristic, a humanoid form. People project onto Barbie their hopes, dreams, aspirations, their realities. And it's it's really kind of classically Freudian, and the, the whole idea of the Freudian totem onto which we project our hopes, our fears, whatever. And so Barbie in the 60s began to represent. This good time party girl, which uh, during the Vietnam War protests, this you know, the singers like ja- Janis Joplin and Jefferson Airplane, they were they were not that sort of blonde, perfect Barbie image. So people were looking at it and going, "Well, Barbie doesn't really represent who we are, the breadth of who we are as women." And they also then subsequently uh, had to reinvent that because if if nothing else, the toy industry is always responsible, responsive to the culture at large, mm-hmm. reflecting reflecting trends there. And I also have a, Barbie's, as you know, has been uh, criticized, I was gonna say castigated, but a little more important, mm-hmm. a little more intense, for her body shape. And I have this also this very waggish perspective about that. Now you're four, right? And your fingers aren't that developed yet. So Barbie's clothes are a tube. You can stick the, the doll's legs into the tube, you pull up pull up the dress, and there's a nice little ledge you can rest it on while you snap the back. So so it was really design- That's actually
1: a good point. I didn't think about that.
2: <laughs> right, right. Because everybody's looked at Barbie and said, oh, her her proportions would never be realistic. Of course they wouldn't be realistic. It's a toy.
1: Uh, right. I don't think I ever looked at Barbie when I was four and thought, I need my I need to look like that. Right, right. It never crossed my mind.
2: Right and and it's it's true because most girls at that age look at something like that whether it's Barbie or later Brats or any of that stuff and because of their level of cognitive development they only think pretty you know that's right. pretty so what's happened with Barbie has been in the in its evolution is the concept of what pretty is has has expanded so much so that it is so much more diverse and inclusive that that really You know, there's a lot of a lot of pretty, you know, for everybody, and it's all about being accepting yourself, not trying to measure up to some ideal.
1: Right. Well, that's why I was just. It was kind of a shock that the Barbie movie, in my opinion, did so well. I mean, they they really marketed it. I I thought it came out two years ago because they've been spending that that (laughs) long in promoting it, but. It's been 65 years since Barbie was created, and I would argue to say she's just as iconic as she was back then. So what do you think it is about 20, or I guess now it's 2024, so 2023, when that movie came out, why do you think her influence is still so strong today?
2: Barbie has always been a cultural icon, and, and like unlike any other brand in the, in the toy industry, she's been a lightning rod. When when Teen Talk Barbie came out and said math is hard, oh my gosh, this was terrible. When Tokidoki Barbie, which was a collectible, came out with a with a tattooed sleeve, right? Oh my gosh, this is terrible. You know, and as I <laughs> said at the time, nobody's gonna dragoon your daughter down to the harbor and get them a tattoo. It's really about <laughs> pre- what's pretty. Um, so okay. so, but Barbie, as I said before, has been this totemistic type of figure. Onto which people project all their other things. It's much more, it's much easier to be mad at a piece of plastic uh, than it is to sort of be vocal in the in the context of, of culture. That said, I think that the Barbie movie in 2023 could not have happened at any other time. And I think it's I think it's a really pivotal movie because it takes into account all of that controversy that's come behind Barbie. And it kind of puts it it kind of puts it to rest. And it just says, yeah, this was this was what it was. But look at Barbie now. And that she's a she's an empowered woman. She is she's you know she's a she's a the mayor. she's diverse she's got diverse bodies she's even got the the Kate McKinnon you know weird barbie which kids have drawn on because kids did that for years right it's it's just yeah. i i almost ran over my niece's barbie with the uh with the lawnmower one time when i was helping my brother And i went
1: whoa it's faced <laughs> out in <to> the grass <laughs> watch out barbie <laughs> right right
2: but but it's you know so it's it's really acknowledging all the history that's gone in the past and, and, and kind of in some ways putting it to rest. Because if you look at Barbie really since 2016, Barbie's had different bodies, different hairstyles, different skin tones, all kinds of different uh, ways of reflecting the diversity of our culture. So really now Barbie going ahead is for everybody. And perhaps mm-hmm. it wasn't before.
1: Right. Do you, that's very well said and well put. It kind of, it does describe the phenomenon that is Barbie because she has had so many ups and downs. Right. Uh, just as times change, she had to change as well. Is there a Barbie in particular that you think of that maybe was the one to shift the perception of Barbie?
2: Wow, that is a great question. I I don't think there was one uh, I, think, I think there was um, probably in the, in the 80s when the We Girls Can Do Anything, Barbie came out. Barbie was an astronaut. Barbie, Barbie suddenly had all these careers and these roles that, that perhaps previously had only been male-related, and now she was opening up the possibility for, for that. So I think the movement that started to diversify what was possible in Barbie's world, kind of reflected a growing sensibility in the real world of greater potential for women in in
1: the culture. All right, we've got to step aside for a quick recess, but we'll be back right after this. And I think what's great to it, I didn't know that a pregnant Barbie existed until I saw the movie. (laughs) But I think that's amazing because you have this movement where it's like, okay, women can be anything. Here are all the jobs. But then you kind of lost sight of the fact that Barbie can also be a mom. If you wanted to be a mom and you want to do that, then that's a beautiful thing. And I'm sad to hear that that Pregnant Barbie was a little short-lived.
2: It was actually Pregnant Midge. Uh, Midge.
1: It, <laughs> it was, was actually, Midge.
2: Don't mean to correct me, but, but it was actually Pregnant Midge. And it's so funny because it, it's such a natural area of curiosity for children and young girls in, in Barbie age, too. But, like, in many cases, it came out with this controversy that, oh, Barbie was promoting promiscuous sex by getting pregnant. And so, you know, the... The cultural noise that happened around the Barbie,
0: but it was Midge,
2: you know, just made them say, "No, you know, we'll back off." And and I think, I think that's too bad because we we have a we're in a culture that makes kids ashamed of their bodies. But that's a that's a whole other podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, maybe Midge was married. Yep, Midge was married. Right, Midge was (laughs) married, so it makes sense, right? So that actually brings up another point. So Ken. He, uh, and Alan, it's Alan, right?
2: Alan was his friend, yep.
1: Alan and Ken. So when did that happen? Why did they decide to introduce Ken and, and Alan as well?
2: Uh, when we, Ken, was, Ken was introduced like in 1961, 63, I'm not sure off the top of my head. He was he, he followed up. So I have this, another theory about Ken, which is, especially okay. if you've seen the movie, Ken, Ken is also having his own existential crisis about who am I. But when Ken was first introduced, kids up to probably about 11 years old were playing with Barbie and they were at that age, they're starting to see their older siblings or cousins dating. So dating became a kind of a play pattern or fantasizing about dating. So you needed, you needed Ken to, to do that. Fast forward now, most core Barbie players are four to six years old and their brains have not developed to the point where they're even thinking about dating. And so so Ken's original purpose is kind of irrelevant. So. (laughs) Right. Or or not not relevant to the development of the child who is playing with it. They're not fantasizing about the dating. The
1: target demo, yeah. Okay.
2: So who is kin to them? I mean, the, if you're four or six years old, the the male figure in your life is your dad or your caregiver or uncles or, or is, a, is an older adult in a kind of parental teacher role. It's not, or it's a peer, you know, the kid you play with in the sandbox. But it's not that kind of dating reflecting what you'd seen in, like, Gidget Goes Hawaiian or any of those dating teen movies that were popular uh, in the early 60s when Ken came on the scene.
1: Huh. I I didn't think about that fact because, yeah, it's true. When you're at that age, you're not necessarily thinking of of those. those Also, I I doubt any little boy was probably looking at Ken like, oh, I need to have washboard abs. If if there was a little boy that played with Ken. My brothers, I think, liked to play with Barbie more than I did. Um, But then as you get older, you start to appreciate just what Barbie does for a lot of people right um, so she inspired Ken she inspired Alan um, are there any other toys during that time that Barbie influenced in a way or the creation influenced the creation of rather well
2: there were other there were other um, there were other fashion dolls and fashion dolls came afterwards but uh, some of them Hasbro had oh God. I forget the name of the doll, uh, Cindy. Cindy, who was introduced in in, in Europe, uh, was kind of like a, a, a Barbie knockoff. But actually, Barbie influenced G.I. Joe. And people looked at Barbie and what was starting to happen with Barbie in the early years of the 60s and said, wait a minute, all these girls are playing with dolls. There's got to be something for a boy. And so that's when Hasbro came up with the idea of G.I. Joe, Who the original G.I. Joe was was Barbie size, right? So she's just 12, 12 inches, you know, um, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines. Um, and they were the real the real American hero that, that actually came later. And God forbid you should call it a doll for boys. So that's where the, the term action figure came up. But it's, it's actually, at the end of the day, it's the same play pattern. It's projecting onto a, a figure, a human-like figure, your aspirations for the future
1: ah i was wondering about that because if you look at the success of barbie it only makes sense that other people would start to think maybe there's a not counterpart but there is something for little boys and you're trying to create something for everyone right uh just i mean with all of your knowledge and the research that you've done and your own background what do you think is the best thing about barbie and what do you think is the most important note about her that people should know
2: well, I think the best thing about Barbie is no matter how many billions of dolls have been sold, no two are exactly alike because every Barbie player brings that doll to life in their own way to reflect their own imagination. And I think that the point is that that if you can, if you as an adult can give a child a Barbie, or give your child a Barbie free of your own issues about that, and let the child freely explore that. I think it's pretty magical to watch a kid bring Barbie to life. I mean, we've seen kids work out challenges at school or conflicts by playing playing it out with Barbie. It's it's kind of classic um, therapy type of play, but but it's play, and it's how children begin to define themselves and try on identities and explore what might work or doesn't work and what feels right to them. So it's really a wonderful, it's a wonderful play process. And, you know, it's not going to make you, it's not going to, playing with Barbie is not going to change a value structure that parents are introducing kids to. The the kids get their values from the parents, not from a piece of plastic.
1: Mm, very well put. And Chris, I appreciate, speaking of wonderful, this has been a wonderful conversation with you. Thank you for all of your insight and we'll have to chat again. You were, you were lovely, so I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, what fun. I really love talking about this.
1: All right, if you miss anything from class, these are my office hours and here are my top takeaways about Barbie. Number one. In the decades before Barbie's creation, girls really only had dolls to play with that helped them practice being a mother. And if they wanted any sort of fashion doll, they were limited to paper dolls. After seeing a German doll named Build Lily, Ruth Handler, the inventor of Barbie, was inspired to create a more grown up doll for girls with which they could mature and express themselves. Number two, critics of Barbie have pointed out her unrealistic body shape. However, Chris explains that Barbie's design wasn't necessarily to reinforce any specific body type, but instead to make it easier for children to play with. Over time, Barbie expanded to include different body shapes and sizes, allowing girls to better see themselves in the doll. And number three, If you want to know more about Barbie, check out my special, Who is Barbie on Fox Nation? We had a ton of fun filming it, and I hope you like that as well. For more podcasts, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this one on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a review. This has been Getting Schooled with Abby Hornacek on the Fox News Podcast Network. Class dismissed. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.
2: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times,
1: you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news
2: and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.